Welcome to Bibli Observatory, a new series of the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices South Carolina. I'm Caroline Smith, the Inclusive Services Consultant at the South Carolina State Library. This is a special transmission from Columbia, South Carolina, to explore the universe of books and stories that people treasure from their childhood and how those stories define the lives of people touched by them. And today we have with us a special guest, Anne Chadwell Humphreys. And welcome, Anne. Thanks, Caroline. So to start off with, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what would you like our listeners to know about you? I would like, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. I would like your listeners to know that I am blind. I've gradually lost my sight over 25 years, but I have a little bit of light perception left. And um, I've had a guide dog, but I highly rely on talking books and the Bard mobile app to read. And I also am a poet, and I take classes at the University of South Carolina, graduate school level classes in poetry. And I work through the USC Disabilities Office and the USC Library, and it's been a wonderful experience. My classes are in poetry and the English department chair. The whole English faculty is phenomenal. So I want listeners who might not be able to see to know you can aspire to do these things. And I'm 65, so it's free for anyone over age 60. And I cannot not take advantage. Now, I grew up with poetry in that I went to elementary middle school in the 60s in a little town, Lakey, Texas, which is Real County, the Hill Country. Mm-hmm. And the University of Texas back in the turn of the century, 1912, started this university interscholastic league. Mm-hmm. And we would compete in poetry recitation, in prose composition, in uh, debate, in math, in art appreciation, and music appreciation. Mm -hmm. There were flashcards with the art and music appreciation that play, and you'd have to end up identify that. That recitation of poetry has been foundational to my life. Um, It's something that gave me confidence to speak in front of a group. I can still I looked up some of the old poems. Mm -hmm. I got together with a girlhood friend, and we had a big rival. Mm -hmm. There were only like 10 kids in our class. We were 1A, but this was a big deal. So we would Mm -hmm. compete in the district and in the region and the state. I did not go that high. But some of the poems, now this is in the mid-60s, so they're mostly men. The Village Blacksmith by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Mm -hmm. Under the standing chestnut tree, the village smithy stand. The smith, a mighty man is he, with large and sinewy hands. Another one that was popular Mm -hmm. was by William Blake. Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Bade me feed by the stream and o'er the mead. Gave me clothing of delight, mm-hmm. softest clothing, woolly bright. Uh, those still come to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Longfellow also, The Children's Hour. Between the dark and the daylight, when the night is beginning to lower, comes the time, pause, and the day's occupation that is called The Children's Hour. And how old were you when you memorized those poems? Elementary school. Uh And we would compete by grade. Mm -hmm. So we would have shorter in the younger grades. In fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and I competed in Austin, Texas when my father, when we moved there for him to get his doctorate, I competed in Austin. And that was Honey and Salt by Carl Sandburg. Mm. That's the book. I couldn't Mm -hmm. find the poem, but I I remember doing well with that Mm -hmm. one and my speech teacher coaching me. It was fun. What is the first time that you remember reading a poem and feeling inspired by it? It was just always around our house. Mm -hmm. We had poetry around. Now, in looking back, I mean, we didn't have Langston Hughes. Mm -hmm. We did have Edna St. Vincent Millay. That was part of the competition. Um, The world stands out on either side no wider than the heart is wide. Above the earth is spread the sky, no higher than the soul is high. And, and we would recite long poems. I just remember preparing, and I remember wearing white socks and black patent leather Mary Janes and getting on the bus and riding to a little town, Rock Springs, and compete. It was a big deal, or Utopia, or Canipa or Concan. These are very small towns that are still there in beautiful country. And our dresses, we would wear dresses with um, ties in the back, very nice skirts. And then it got later in the 60s, more shifts. Mm-hmm. And I, my mother taught us to make some of our clothes. I don't think I made some of those. Mm-hmm. But, and then we would use it in church because my dad conducted an Easter sunrise service up on the bluff, um, horseshoe, horse collar bluff overlooking the Frio River. And we would put a piano in the goat trailer, the men would, mm-hmm. and haul it up to this overlook that is almost 500 feet. It's not that high, but it's gorgeous. And we would have a worship service there and I can rem- see my sister standing there, um, and we had matching Easter dresses. This was her turn, reciting the, the poem, The Great Guest Comes. So our family has always read poetry or the Declaration of Independence during a ju- Fourth of July. We have readings at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, Memorial Day. I mean, it's just a mm-hmm. Chadwell thing. Mm-hmm. And we have recorded our family doing that and put it on the Library of Congress Mm -hmm. to record my father's voice, the grandchildren's voices, my mother's voice. Mm -hmm. So is this something that you've passed down to your own grandchildren as well? Well, I only have one Uh grandchild who's 10 months old, but um, we passed it down to our boys. But Mm -hmm. I will say that being blind, I'm learning Braille through Mm -hmm. the Hadley Institute for the Blind. Mm -hmm. It's correspondence. And while I do that, I get free books Mm -hmm. for my granddaughter or for our grandchildren that are age appropriate. So I am learning to read Braille Mm -hmm. along with the grandchildren who are reading Clifford Has a Nice Day. Mm -hmm. 
Elmo something something. And these are cardboard books right now, but it graduates up. I am so grateful for this service. It's National Publishing House for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And then Braille Press, Dolly Parton, funds Mm -hmm. this. So the librarians just put tape, Braille tape, under mm-hmm. the actual text. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about that here the other day where yeah. you got Goodnight Moon for me. Mm-hmm. Goodnight Moon did not have the pictures, mm-hmm. but it had tactile, which mm-hmm. was good yeah. for me. So there, f- for people with grandchildren, I mean, I qualify because I'm like a blind mm-hmm. grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a nice practical way to use the, those books and share them with your grandchild too an incentive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you were started enjoying poetry at a very young age. Let me ask you, did you have any one poem that really stood apart from the others that was just a a treasure for you that you enjoyed? I had favorites. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sell a highlight one. Mm Uh, Vachel Lindsay was one of the poets because it's a big brass bill, but The House by the Side of the Road by Samuel Walter Foss was a popular one with us when we recited it. And I do want to talk to you about the act of recitation. The House by the Side of the Road, there are hermit souls that live withdrawn and something in the state of their discontent they have peace in their peace. They, like stars, stars, they swell apart in a fellowless firmament. So that was one. Mm-hmm. They rhyme. And I recite my poems now because I can't really read it. And I've mm-hmm. recited, and I am asked to re- participate in festivals and for worship services and different poetry events. And I had to work up my courage. Mm-hmm to learn that many poems. So I consulted my acting friend, Mm -hmm. and she coached me and gave me confidence. I use it now, too, because I'm accompanied by a friend who's a guitarist, Mm -hmm. which adds a new dimension. He also will tell me from a musical standpoint about the poem, the building of the poem. And he helps me arrange poems, one, two, three, four, five, to tell a story that Mm -hmm. way. Also, when I recite the poems, I find there are flaws that I would like to change. Mm -hmm. So just reading it or listening to it, and I wanted to tell you how I listen to it. I Mm -hmm. have on my iPhone, turn on voiceover. Okay, I turned on voiceover. Can you hear it? Mm -hmm. So the voiceover on the Apple iPhone is standard and it will read to me so I have it queued up all right to the bard so I had it on 65 this is a book about color there would have been nothing of what the journalists were later to call impressionists also, I can use the iPhone to mm-hmm. go word by word in every punctuation mark mm-hmm. or no punctuation mark. And I compose on this Bluetooth wireless keyboard, which mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. They can't see. I put bump dots on mm-hmm. to find my, my way. 
and do editing, and then I have people writing. I also recite poems, as I said, for worship service. Our church organist asked me to participate in the Christmas mm -hmm. cantata, a poem that I had written about Christmas gifts. So it adds a new dimension to worship. Mm -hmm. And he and I will collaborate on a keynote speech, and he just plays. He just goes along and plays. Mm -hmm which is so interesting how mm -hmm. skilled he is, but together. So he's playing while you recite the yeah, poem? Yeah, he just makes it up. And the app, what was the app that you were just using to play that It's a piece? Braille, it's through the National Library Service, mm -hmm. which is through the Library of Congress mm -hmm. and through the Talking Books Library mm -hmm. here at the State Library. Mm -hmm. And to be eligible, you have to have some kind of print disability, uh, whether you can see it or you have dyslexia or you can't turn the pages. Mm -hmm. Some people have problems with their arms or muscular problems. So I qualify. So it's Braille something. We usually just call it BARD, I, Bard. I guess. And so I think a lot of people know Talking Books as receiving it through the mail, but that's just a, a newer iteration of that where you can Yeah, you don't have to carry things around. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just right there. You download it, and you can listen to mm -hmm. it while you're riding. Or when I go birding, I bird by ear mm -hmm. with my nature photography friends. So at night, I can listen to my book. And they also listen to my poems because I test out my poems on them, mm -hmm. and they, they help me. And mm -hmm. so I hear and have an audience and I see what kind of falls flat. Mm -hmm. So I'm very active in poetry right now. Mm -hmm. I've been published, I've received an award, I won a contest as an emerging, see I'm an emerging writer because I didn't start writing until mm -hmm. I was retired. Mm -hmm. I love poetry, I, it's an intellectual challenge. It's cheap, it doesn't take up much room, it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm and also helps you formulate your thoughts. What really am I trying to say? And I think it helps my ability to express myself mm -hmm. verbally. Since your love of poetry started at such a young age, how do you think that shaped you as you got older and went about into the world? It made me agile with words. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, it was so much a part of our family mm -hmm. that they were always around. But in college, I had honors English, and I still have my college poetry text. And I had a wonderful high school teacher, a one in particular, who helped us do poetry, understand it. And there, you know, Percy Bysshe Shelley, that's a tough, the chambered nautilus, and Oliver Wendell Holmes, some of those are really tough. Mm -hmm. um, Lincoln in the Church Bard, Elegy, Elegy in a Churchyard, those classic poems mm -hmm. that were taught then. But I always kept that poetry book close to me. And my grandfather died, my, our wonderful, one of our wonderful grandfathers. And that was back in Texas, and our family had moved here. And I'm the oldest of five children. So we met on the horseshoe as a memorial service, and I had that book, and we read poems out of that book to honor him. Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers your question mm -hmm. about how essential it is. Yeah. Not everybody's interested. It bores some people. Some of the family just don't ask about it. Mm -hmm. Some friends don't, but other friends do, and some family members do. 
Um, so I have to be careful how I offer it. <laughs> to, I, I need to reserve it for an appreciative aud- audience. Mm-hmm. So it's an intellectual, almost a puzzle to figure out it what is. some of those poems are. It's like a crossword puzzle with mm-hmm. the rhyme and which word. Mm-hmm. And if anyone likes crossword puzzles, they would like this. Mm-hmm. The rhythm plus free verse. Mm-hmm. I experiment with poetry forms mm-hmm. just to make myself do it. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. And they're easier to remember. Rhymes are easier to remember. So that when I recite poems, that's always easier. But I don't always rhyme at the end. I'll rhyme in the middle. So to, it shapes my persona now. People know I'm a poet. And my professors say, Anne, you are a poet. <laughs> you don't say you write poetry. Play with poetry. You are a poet. Mm-hmm. So I respect the seriousness of their advice. And it's my way to contribute to society, maybe help communicate or express some things that are hard to express. Mm-hmm. What about the poetry format do you think makes... What makes that format so well-suited to expressing certain things? Hmm. I, if I get locked up in a poem, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you get frozen and can't, oh, why can't I take this any further? I will use a form and put the poem in that particular form. And that helps kind of free me. Uh, it'll pin down the rhyme scheme. You can do braided rhymes, A, B. A, B, C, B, B, C. There's some really easy things to do. And then there's some forms that are repetitious, like Dylan Thomas, don't go gently into that good night. I've done a villanelle like that, but there are other poetry forms. So you just put that down on the paper on those particular spots where Mm -hmm. it says refrain A, refrain B. I also write opportunity or poems about significant points in Mm -hmm. history. For example, I wrote Camp Sorghum, which was about the Confederate POW camp that held Union officers, which is right across the river from the bridge off the Saluda River. And I researched that, and I put that together as part of the 150th anniversary of Sherman coming through Columbia. And that gave information about the, quote, lunatic asylum where they were housed Mm -hmm. for some, how they came across, so it helps Mm -hmm. with. And then at that time, too, during 2015 flood, remember our water channel along the river? The canal broke. I researched that history of that canal, and I brought over Irish canal diggers as indentured servants and they camped down by the river and many of them died from yellow fever and many of them are buried in the St. Peter's Catholic Church Mm -hmm. but they out of honor and respect to what they contributed to our culture that's that's how I preserve it. Before we close this interview could you share with us some advice for our young listeners that may be just starting to explore poetry themselves. I would like to give a shout out to young people who might be listening to this podcast or to their guardians because the State Library holds a literature and a poetry contest. Mm -hmm. 
each year and this past year they had Juan Felipe Herrera mm-hmm. and we had the pleasure of interviewing him yes when you he did I listened for, to that for Young Minds Dreaming he so. was one of the U.S. Poets Laureate that mm-hmm. is a big deal and it was on a Saturday so the kids came I thought I could not I just could not be in two places at one time but I sent the information to one of my friends how can you pass that up to go and hear this kind of quality and he wrote a poem about numbers Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to play with a numbers poem Mm -hmm. Um, digits he wrote that was cool but to the young people go ahead and write your poems and begin to talk about it and demand it and start looking for the competitions because we're out here we like to collaborate I like to collaborate with younger people I have younger friends who give me new of different friends I have to otherwise I get so segregated a lot by age of course by race but I intentionally seek out other groups to help me grow mm-hmm. and good luck with your poetry and then there's slam poetry mm-hmm. which the Columbia Museum of Art hosts in mm-hmm. South Carolina has some good slam poets that go to Washington and I think have done very well mm-hmm. slam poetry works my experiment with slam poetry. Why not? Thank you, Anne, for sharing your love of poetry with us and a little bit about your experiences growing up. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Go poetry. All right. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Bibli Observatory on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Bibli Observatory is a collaborative literacy initiative to connect our communities and children with the joy of listening, reading, and writing those memories from childhood that changed our lives. Thanks for listening.